Money Roots is made possible by the support of our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group. Are you ready to take control of your financial future? Look no further than Rooted Planning Group, your trusted partner in financial well-being. At www.rootedpg.com, you'll discover a wealth of resources and expertise to help you thrive financially. Rooted Planning Group specializes in personalized financial planning, investment management, and retirement strategies. They understand that every financial journey is unique, and they're here to guide you every step of the way. With a team of experienced advisors, Rooted Planning Group is committed to helping you cultivate a secure and prosperous future. Visit www.rootedpg.com today to learn more about how Rooted Planning Group can help you grow your money roots. Hey friends, welcome to this edition of Wine and Dime with Amy Irvine. We are so excited to be here today talking to Kathy live at FinCon. And you know, a lot of people have said, we love your show, but we're not really sure what it is that you do. And one of the things that we want to go do going forward is to answer some of the questions, financial questions that you have. As you know, we believe that our, our lives are very similar to a vineyard and we want to plant that first seed in the ground so that your vineyard grows when it comes to your finances and that's what we do here at Rooted Planning Group. So if you've got questions, please email us at admin at rootedpg.com. You're certainly welcome to do amy at rootedpg.com and you can catch us on social media channels as well. We'd love to, to answer any of your questions that you might have. In fact, we do have a mailbag episode coming up, so please don't hesitate to send those questions in and the team will be recording a, a live webcast, I'm sorry, a live podcast with your questions. So we look forward to them. You are listening to Wine and Dime, the podcast that combines two passions, wine and personal finance, with your host, Amy Irvine. Amy is a certified financial planner and owner of Rooted Planning Group and author of Uncork Your Finances. You can learn more about Amy by heading over to the website, www.rootedpg.com. And now on to the show. Take it away, Amy. Welcome to this edition of Wine and Dime live at the FinCon conference in Washington, D.C. So as you can tell by the background, there's some activity going on. And I am so fortunate to have Kathy Sikorsky here uh, today to speak with. And we, she is an attorney by trade who is an advocate for financial education, especially for women. So right up my alley, both an attorney and financial advocacy for women around financial education. And we are both consuming a delightful glass of wine. We are. <laughs> So, Kathy, cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Thank you um, so much for taking the time out of today's conference to be part of, of the show. Um, many years ago when I got into this profession, I didn't know really what I was getting into. And when I talk to people about the show Wine and Dime, one of the things that I always tell them is I can take anything back to a vineyard, I can take anything back to a glass of wine, you give me the opportunity and I can tie it back to that. But when you really think about our lives and 
how our lives are formed. It's very much like a vineyard is formed, right? So a vineyard has roots and it has vines and it has posts that support the vines and it has the aromas that, you know, flavor the grape yeah. and it has the influences that are around it if it's a dry year, if it's a wet year. Yeah. So that formation of the wine that comes out of that vineyard really is but year by year by year very different. And so are our lives. So are our lives very, very different year so by year true. by year. And and when we think about like again, twenty five years ago I had no idea that this is what I was gonna be doing. And those influences that have come into my life have, you know, pressed me in this way. So tell our listeners what Kathy's Vineyard looked like. Oh my gosh, you, you couldn't have come up with a better metaphor as far as I'm concerned in, in my life. Um, especially when you said I had no idea that my life would turn out that way. So when I was about 10 years old, I, and I, I find it's hard to believe myself, sometimes I'm not even believing my own story, but I fell in love with Clarence Darrow, who was a famous attorney who was known for uh, what they called the scopes or the monkey trial, where they had the big argument about is, is it evolution or is it the Bible that started humanity? And I just thought that this attorney was so fascinating. They turned it into a play and it was a movie and and I I was part actress and part advocate. Those were the two things that really ignited me. And I decided I wanted to be a lawyer, right? But I wanted to advocate and save the world like Clarence Darrow was doing. How I got to where I am today, which is an elder lawyer, that's my my specialty. And an elder lawyer deals with those kinds of issues that have to do with older people. It doesn't mean I'm an old lawyer. It means I deal with people who have issues in their elder life, which is typically Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, wills, trusts, powers of attorney, you know, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. But... And there's a lot of detailed planning around that. And every state is very different because of the Medicaid laws of every state. Exactly. That is exactly correct. But I never never wanted to, when I was growing up, say, gee, I think I want to be an elder lawyer. (laughs) Like, that was not my vineyard. I did want to be a lawyer, and I did want to be an actress slash advocate. And those things have all come to pass. But in in my journey of being a lawyer, what happened was is I became a caregiver for eight different family members and friends over the last 30 years. And because of that, not as my job, but as my life skill, I kept honing my law practice down to become this amazing vineyard with wonderful notes of flavors about what you should do when you get through to the aging and caregiving process. And of course, 90% of the people who were doing this with me, both as an attorney and just as a caregiver, were women. Yeah. And I saw them flourishing and I saw them suffering. And I knew that this was now my mission. Yeah. So the life expectancy of women are longer, number one. Right. That, that creates some complexity. Uh, women generally have gaps in their career, exactly. so that adds to a complexity. They're generally caregivers, so that adds to a complexity. Right. So when you're dealing with all of that, and I see that in our practice, you I'm know, sure you we, do. we do. I mean, a good 75% of our practice is women. Um, clients. Yes. So we have a very large percentage. That doesn't mean that they don't have husbands. It just right. means that they are the ones that brought the relationship to the table. And one of the biggest concerns, and I think that people lately have been coming more and more to me because I admitted on one of the podcasts that I am terrified of being a bag lady. <laughs> like, <laughs> we got to help her. <laughs> well, as a financial planner, you know, I'm, I was just saying that, like, that's one of my fears, too. When we think about the psychology yes. of money, you know, there's various levels of psychology around the resources of money. And one of the reasons that 
I relate so well, I think, to um, women who are very professionally strong, but concerned about, um, you know, when they get older, knowing that they're likely going to outlive their partner, knowing that they're probably going to be a caregiver, knowing that their children are probably going to still, you know, lean on them a little bit, that they're terrified of not being able to do those kinds of things and ending up as bad ladies, right? Uh, Yeah, and we we have the same wish that our mothers, usually our mothers or parents have, which is I don't want to be a burden to anybody. Right. And so that's also playing around in the back of their minds, right? And so, I mean, I I have this mission not only to help women, but to work with financial planners. And and yes, I have a prejudice to women because I think that they understand the mission a little bit better (laughs) because they're living it. They are living it. Um, And it's this. Elder attorneys and attorneys need to become partners with financial planners because we do really important work, but we cannot do it alone. And we can't do it alone as financial planners either. Exactly. We can't practice law, and we never should be giving advice around it anyways. We need that partnership as well. One of the struggles I can honestly say that I've had over the years is finding that right connection, like finding that right elder care attorney because... and don't ever want to step on their toes, but I want to be included in the process because I'm the one who's actually going to be reaching out to the attorney. And you should be. So if that attorney is not comfortable with that, there's something wrong with that picture because we're not in competition. Absolutely I don't compete with you. You know, I work with you to do the best for our mutual client, right? And if, if somebody's misreading that, then move on. But here's the thing. You... I, the biggest thing that I tell everybody to get that they should have, and I even tell people, if your kid is going to college and they're 18, you should get this, which is a power of attorney, both a financial and a healthcare power of attorney. I happen to live in Pennsylvania, and we are super snarky about our powers of attorney. We have some really, really complex rules that some other states do not have. But if you don't have that document, and somebody in your family becomes disabled and becomes permanently disabled, they are going to then come to you, my financial advisor, and say, hey, you need to help me move money around or get my money. And you're going to say, do you have your power of attorney? And so I'm really trying to help you do your job, more so maybe even than my own client, really, yeah. for, for and, real. And the healthcare proxy is a big part of that, right? Yes, I mean, absolutely. Making sure that that's something that we always tell our clients whose kids are going off to college, go to your attorney and get a healthcare proxy drawn up because right. the HIPAA... The HIPAA policy that goes into place, at least in New York State. Same everywhere. Yeah. That's same everywhere. And it's, and yes, and those are two different documents that people don't understand. Healthcare proxy, sometimes it's called healthcare power of attorney. Mm-hmm. Those, those are the same document. And what they mean is, is that somebody can talk to you about someone's healthcare issues if they are unable to do so. Absolutely must do that for your college kid. The financial power of attorney, you think, well, my college kid doesn't have any money. But guess what? The bills don't come to you. You pay the bills. But technically, when your kid goes to college, they're an adult. And the college treats them as the person in charge of the financial deal. So, again, you should do that. So so that's just a little aside about what you and I handle. You know, by the way, do this for your kid as well. But I want you to do it for yourself. And I, of course... Often you're talking to me about your parents who are older, but can you just open the window a little bit more and do it for yourself? And then you get into the blended families. Oh, yeah. 
and the same-sex families. Yes. And the complexities grow. Yes. Yes. I mean, blended families, they, they grow because, you know, there's children maybe on both sides that can cause problems. Um, the beauty of same-sex families now is that they can actually get married. So we, we have so many less problems because they're married people now like everybody else. And so they get to do, they get to have the same misery as the rest of us who are married. <laughs> Except with children. Except with children, Yes, right? depending on what they're, they're yeah. if they have children and what the yeah. status is. Yeah, there's both, all kinds Both couples of, have to adopt that child, right? Yes. I mean, that's the thing. Like, those are the things that, you know, again, different states have different laws around all of that. But those are the complexities that... When people think of working with an elder attorney, attorney mm -hmm. they, they think about, oh, well, that's that's old people. I mean, that's, that's for old people. Yeah, but right. in reality, what we're trying to do is say, well, yes, it's for it's aging issues. Exactly. But then you get in. The interesting thing for me is when somebody is. Have you ever heard of Carolyn McClanahan? Are you familiar with her at all? I don't know. She developed. She and Chris Hay developed a program called Wealthcare, and we had a podcast with them a couple of episodes ago. Their system, Wealthcare um, plan system, actually walks people through three assessments, and one of them is called the Proactive Aging Plan. Wonderful. And in that Proactive Aging Plan, it asks all those questions. Like, do you have a power of attorney? Do you have a healthcare proxy? Do you have a will? Right. But then it also gets into things like, when should you stop driving? Wow. And when should you implement the financial power of attorney? Yes. When should you do this and when should you do that? Because that's the piece that we find as people start to get older. My generation is dealing with some aging parents. Yes. And... You know, at what point in time do I step in and say, I really shouldn't be driving? I think that's fantastic. I think it's not going to change that your mom's going to say, you don't get to tell me what I to know. do. <laughs> I still think that you're going to have to deal with that. But I, I think the fact that now my mother will be 91 years old next week. My mother drives to the gym every day. She drives to church every day. She socializes like a maniac. I can't even find her half the time. She is an amazing 91-year-old woman, right? She may have signed a paper 10 years ago that said, after I'm 90, I should stop driving. Yeah. Well, let me just tell you something. There's no way she would stop driving now. And, and she's very smart about it. She never drives at night. She only drives maybe five or 10 miles from her house, you know? So I think it's wonderful. I, I love that they do that. It's super proactive, and it sort of does get people to say, oh, I did sort of say that, yep. but I don't yep. mean it. Uh, and it's certainly helpful to children. And the more, and, and, and this is the point, right? The more we talk about a plan, the better off we'll be, whatever that plan may be. And I think the fact that we can come back to that and reassess it so that, yeah, you said that when I started to have some close calls or when this started to happen or when that started to happen, or it could have been an age, to go back and reassess it is the important thing. Right. You know, that's the part that your 91-year-old mother may have said, if I start to show these symptoms and you look at that and say, gee, mom, you know, you actually are starting to show those symptoms. Maybe we should sit back and have this conversation. And that that's hard. Like yes. the, the daughter and the mother having the conversation is really hard. Yes. But the, the mother and the attorney or the mother and the financial planner. Yes. 
that's a whole different conversation. And then how beautiful is it if we're all on board at yeah. the same time? Like if you and I are working together as the financial planner and the lawyer to say, you know, Jane's mother came, is our client, but Jane came to us and wanted to know if we could have a conversation yeah. with her. How beautiful is that? Yeah. And we, we work a lot with um, women that are very, a lot of attorney clients, we have a lot of engineer clients that we have and a lot of uh, educators that we have for clients. And these are all extremely busy women. Yeah, I mean, they're extremely busy women in the middle of their career in a yes. lot of cases. And they, they have the muscle, this is kind of the way I explain it, like, you know, they have good stock. They yeah. have really solid roots and they have the muscle, but they don't have the time. Right. That is exactly right. And so when you talk about the advocacy that you're you're focusing on elder law at this point in time, but you're also still focusing on education and advocacy yes. of that. Talk a little bit about that as well. So, obviously I've written a book. It's called Who Moved My Teeth? I thought that was so funny, by the way. Thank you. That was supposed to make you laugh. Preparing for self-loved ones and caregiving. So self is the first word, very operative, right? You need to look at these things. And loved ones and caregiving, the things that are coming down the road for everyone. So, so there's that. There's something. But I also do podcasts. Yep. Thank you very much. Uh, radio shows, television. Um, I was on PBS a couple of nights ago. So, oh my gosh! Yeah, it's very exciting. So the education piece is turning into you know webinars and really good, wonderful places where people who don't have a lot of time have a lot of avenues to look at this. Right? When it's two o'clock in the morning and they can't sleep over something, exactly. they can pull up. Pick up, or pick up this book and read 10 pages, and that's enough. Put it down again. In fact, a friend of mine just said the other day, you know, I read your book a year ago, but I just picked it up yesterday because there was one little piece of information I wanted to have. And that that's the purpose of that. It's not a textbook, and it's not meant to be difficult. It's for everyone to, to have in their hands. But the point of it is... Education doesn't have to be, you know, 15 credits of 2,000 hours. It can be piecemeal. It's keeping yourself informed. But ultimately, what I'd like to lead to for everyone is just get a plan. Aging is coming for you. The tsunami of aging is coming for yeah. you. Somebody asked me a couple of months ago how old I was, and it took me four times to actually get the right age. That's funny. <laughs> For some reason, I looked at, I said, off the top of my head, I said 43, and I'm like, no, 45. No, wait, 46. Wait, I just turned 47. <laughs> so aging's coming for you, Amy. <laughs> I, I, my husband and I joke that we both stopped at like 40. Like, yeah. For some reason, we both feel like we're still 40, and he's 55 this year, which I love because I get to tell him that I live with a 55 plus. <laughs> there you go. Hey, there's a lot of advantages to that. Like Dunkin' Donuts gives you a free coffee. Well, I did get him a membership to AARP. See, there you go. And, and honestly, I got it because I wanted the magazine. <laughs> yeah, it's a great magazine. It's good for you, for sure, in I your work. I the information. Right? Yeah, it's great. So, yes. you have two kids, right? I do. Um, and when you were raising those kids, did you incorporate some financial literacy within their upbringing or were you when you were a kid was financial literacy a part of their upbringing? oh my god no my dad died. my mother has six children when my my dad was in the military he was a helicopter pilot in the army and he died in a helicopter crash at age 30 30 and she was pregnant with her sixth child so we moved home and and moved in with my grandmother so my grandmother and my mother raised us so you're dad was 30 so? yes and yes. your mom was pregnant with her sixth, sixth child? child yes 
So, wow. So my first book, which is called Showering with Nana, Confessions of a Serial Caregiver, is just my grandmother at 92 came to live with me when I had a two-year-old. And so, because my grandmother raised me with my mom, I, you know, I, I certainly owed her this debt, right? And that's when I started my caregiving journey. But my financial literacy journey, there was none of that growing up, none of it. I mean, we really lived a very, I never knew it. My mother did an amazing job, as did my grandmother. I never felt poor. I never felt deprived. Um, you know, I'd move overhead and food on my table, and we went to the pool, and, you know, life was good. Um, my husband was very good about, and I don't even, I don't think he learned it at home either, but he was just very conscious of being financially smart and savvy. And he, although, you know, uh, who doesn't say to their kids, we can't afford that, <laughs> right? So that was kind of the way when they were little. But when they went to college, he sat down with them and showed them a budget. And then when they got jobs, he literally said, this is how much you make. This is your rent. This is your, you know, and, and you're going to put this much in your 401k, and you're going to put this much in your in your savings for, for easy cash. And he really took the lead of, of making them understand budgeting and finance and savings. It was actually fantastic. And so I have to switch gears for just a split second because a thought came to mind as you were talking about sure. that. That, in fact, when we were walking to meet here, we were talking about that both of us were in professions that are pretty male-dominated yes. professions. And so your husband was great about teaching your kids about those finances. You had come from an environment that was kind of male-dominated. I mean, you said that was less than 10% of your Oh, yeah, in, the, in my law school in class, law school. yeah. Um, do you think that your kids, because you have a son and a daughter, right? I have two girls. Two girls, I'm sorry. So do you think that those two girls ever thought about the fact that there is minority professions and that guys are better at money than, than girls or? No. I have two very strong daughters. They're, they're very, you know, strong. My oldest daughter studied finance. That's her degree, is in finance. My younger daughter is had a marketing degree, so they both went to business school. Um, their jobs, my one daughter is in, in contract negotiations, and my other daughter is an event planner for corporations. So um, I think that money is not, is not an oddity to them. Um, but I also think that they have a lot more knowledge about money than I ever did. But I think most of their their strength as women comes from the fact that more that I'm an attorney than I'm than than financial. Okay. It's just like I just don't put up with any garbage, yeah. and that's how that's what they learned at my feet. Where do you think that that because again thinking about the fact that there was only 10% of women that were in your in yeah. your law school, where do you think, I know what you said as to why you were interested in law, but where do you think that strength came from? You know, that is such an interesting question because my mom is kind of a shrinking violet. She's kind of a passive person. She's, you know, very sweet and very kind and very, very caring, very nurturing. Um, my grandmother, um, the same but not passive but fun loving fun loving um, so those are the two people who raised me but honestly I'm a middle child if I wanted anybody to pay attention to me I had to speak up all the time and I really think that's where it came from so that's the influence in your vineyard I really think that's it I'm a middle child yeah in a big middle you know I had I had 
three on either side. So yeah. Yeah. So um, did your mother have any other children? There was the six of you? I have two stepsisters. Okay. My mom got married when I was a teenager, so they are older than all of us, but I love them dearly. It, they are fantastic women, and uh, so there's eight of us, eight children in the family. Yeah, <laughs> and it's great. Pretty big vineyard. It's wonderful. It's, it's, uh, when, my, when my husband wanted to stop at one, I said, there's no way. We're going to have at least two. Somebody, you have to have a sibling. And then I couldn't convince him to you know, go any further. Sure, yeah, because money. You know, money was clicking around in his head. Wait a minute, college, you know, that kind of stuff. What does your husband do? My husband is retired. Okay. But he worked for a very long time for Procter & Gamble. Okay. Yeah, so. And you love what you do. I do. So, I mean, it's clear, I can see it on your face, that you're very passionate about what you um, do. And it's not uncommon for those of us that are in my profession, your profession, to continue working as long as we love it. Yes. As long as we, as long as our minds will permit it, maybe not at the pace that we originally you yes. know, worked. I certainly, you know, 65, don't want to be working at the same pace yeah. that I'm working, but I hope to still be working, not because I have to, but because I love to. Yeah, because it's and, joyous. And you, that appears to be the same for true, for, for true for you. For sure, absolutely. I mean, my, my work is really just about the joy that it brings me. When I wake up in the morning, I can't wait to figure out who I'm going to talk to, how I'm going to get the message out there, what I'm going to write today, you know, what what is funny about what we're doing, what's interesting, you know, it's, there's just, it brings me a lot of joy. I'm very lucky. So would you say that, is there one big piece of advice that you would give um, some of the women, and think about that mid-40-ish um, age group, what, what would be the big piece of advice that you would give to them? I mean, I'm always going to say, get your legal documents in order. Do it now. Don't wait. Do it now. And then, and this is really important, a lot of people get these legal documents, their wills especially, they have them done when their kids are little, they shove them in the underwear drawer next to that sexy lingerie, you know, and then they never pull either of those things out again. So I don't care about your lingerie, but pull that will out. I really want you to do that. And every five years, I want you to look at it because things change. I don't care about your underwear, but I do care about your will. So that's my best advice. Get your documents in order, all of them. Powers of attorney, both healthcare and financial. Your will, your advance directive, which is also a living will. If you hear that name, they're the same. it's like Sean... Sean and P. Diddy are the same person. Yeah. That's what an advanced directive and a living will are. They're the same thing. And get them done, get them in order, and then look at them every five years. And would you, what would you give as far as advice for their parents? Do it now. What are you waiting for? What if, what, if your, what if your parents are resistant to it? What advice would you give somebody? So truthfully, and I, I promise you, this is not self-serving. It's going to sound like it is, but it's not. Give them my book. Because when it comes from someone else, they believe it. This is what I know about old people. And I'm becoming one of those people, you know? But when it, even when your kids are little, and if the teacher told them the same thing yeah. you told them, it had so much more credibility. So give them a fun book to read that actually has it in there and then they're gonna then they're gonna come to you and say oh look what Kathy wrote this is the expert we should be doing this and even though it was your idea all along I love that um, TJ has two boys that um, 15 and 11 now and so if Aunt Amy says it it's a pretty good idea if mom and dad say it 
like, what are they talking about? Right? So I've, I've seen it. It's absolutely true. <laughs> that is a truism. And so I guess what you're saying is for those of us that are in our 40s now, yeah, and we're trying to get our parents to do that kind of thing, and it's out of love. Like, it's not, you know, what, what I would say to people that are struggling with that, it's like, I, I, it's out of love that you're trying to get their parents to take care of it. And yes. They really want to make sure that the out we don't want we don't want to interpret your wishes exactly. that's the biggest issue i don't exactly. want to make a mistake i want things to happen the way you want them to be so ideally you want them to talk to a lawyer yes. right but that might be where they're resistant i'm not doing that i'm not going there so if you start with a little soft sell of a of a book or an article or whatever yes. you might eventually be able to get to that point of taking them to a lawyer and that is exactly what i'm suggesting get in the car and find an elder lawyer and go see them so when you when you talk about one of the biggest resistance I see is that somebody says, "Oh, it's going to be expensive to do this." Right? That's, oh, that's my that's, favorite. Thing. That's the key. And it's, it's my favorite. It's thing. a frustrating thing on my point because I'm like, "Well, do you know how expensive it's going to be if you don't do it?" So spend the money to get your wishes down on paper and get that taken care of. What do you say to It that? reminds me of the Girl Scout cookie thing. When my kids sold Girl Scout, I sold Girl Scout cookies too, but they didn't tell me this and I wish they had. One of the most successful Girl Scout cookie salespeople was a little girl who would go up to someone and said, would you like to buy Girl Scout cookies? And of course, often they would say yes. And she said, okay, a case is $125. And they'd be like, how much do you do with a case of Girl Scout cookies? And then she would say, okay, how about four boxes? That's $22. Yep, deal. She sold more cookies because it was the $125 versus the $22. All of a sudden, $22 looked really good, right? So, a month in a nursing home where I live is between nine and twelve thousand yep. dollars a month. Yep. Let, let's month. underscore that because people think that's a year, no, that's or they month. think Medicare will pay for it. So we talk about that a little bit. So it's a month. Medicare doesn't pay. So you could pay. I don't know. Pick a number. I don't care what it is five thousand dollars. You know, for something, a plan of some kind that you're going to purchase a year or ever. That's a lot less than twelve thousand dollars a month. A month. That's, and, so I use the Girl Scout cookie example. <laughs> and what if somebody puts it off, puts it off, puts it off, and now is at the point where mm. it's imminent that they're going to go into a nursing home? So are we in a crisis? Is that what you're telling me? Yep. Okay, so a crisis is different. Sadly, a crisis costs more money yeah. because you waited too long. So I can do some things in a crisis, some things I can't do. But the things that I can do are probably going to cost more. Yeah. Um, but I'm still going to recommend that you do it because even if it costs more, it's still not going to cost $12,000 a month to help you fix your problem. And mostly what I'm trying to do is maybe save money for your spouse who's not sick, maybe be able to get some money over to her to protect her. Um, so things like that. And then work with your financial advisor, obviously, to say what kind of things do we have that we might be able to move around so that, you know, legally, legitimately we can do. Um, but in a crisis... Sometimes people are a little more willing, believe it or not, weirdly, to, to do things. But nonetheless, I would always prefer you don't come to me in a crisis. Because the cost is more. So instead of always. buying the case, you're going to buy four boxes. Always. Exactly. So do you want four boxes or do you want to wait two years and come and buy a case? Which do you want? I'll do either. Because I can do it. But I would prefer you just buy the four boxes. Yeah. 
And uh, you know, you could put that same kind of concept in the whole vineyard wine perspective. You know, when you go to a winery, do you want to buy a case of that one particular wine, or do you want to buy four bottles of one, four bottles of another, four bottles? Exactly. Of yeah. Do you want? Do you want to buy what you want, yep. or do you want someone telling you now this is what you're going to buy? Yeah. I don't want the Mogan David. <laughs> I want the good stuff. <laughs> I love that you. I love that you play right into my one theme. It's great. <laughs> Would you say that there was any particular um, advice that you've ever been given that was probably good advice, but maybe not advi- good advice for you? In terms of well, it could be life, or it could be um, things that you've seen within your practice where um, people have been told something that might be like okay, so. You know, you get a bunch of people sitting around, right? And it, and I always used to laugh at some of my clients that would say, wait till you get to my age where you sit around and talk about, you know, your the prescriptions that you're on, oh, the yeah. joints that ache, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, I found it interesting probably about three months ago, couple, there were several of us that were sitting around and two of the couples had just recently had surgery. One had had knee surgery and the other one had had rotator cuff surgery. Oh, wow. And I have, I take a thyroid medication, and so we were sitting around talking about surgeries, aches and pains, medication, and medication. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I am way too young to be talking yeah. about this kind of stuff, right? But they t- they sit around and talk about, well, this is what we've done, also from an estate planning perspective, or you know, I put the house in the kid's name, so I don't have to worry about it, type situation, right? So. You know, and that might be the right answer for some people. Of course, but let's let's twist the question back around to you. Like, have you been ever? Have you seen enough advice that is general in terms, but not always the best advice either for you or for your client? So, interestingly enough, just today, not two hours ago. I met with a friend of mine who I met through the internet, um, and he and I are probably going to work together. Um, not at FinCon, but he happens to be in Washington, and so I'm here. Perfect. And he um, sells long-term care insurance products okay. and long-term care products, mm-hmm. which, of course, I'm a big fan of if they're a part of your plan, right? right? And he and I both discussed how we have this gut reaction to annuities that is bad and how we are learning that perhaps that isn't a hundred percent depends on the annuity right correct yeah yeah but you know as a young lawyer I was trained annuity bad (laughs) and if anybody was selling my clients annuity bad person you know but I have had to learn over time and and this is true of all of the long-term care world is that the financial planning around this is complex because everybody doesn't have the same needs, right? And so I am much more open now to all kinds of things where you where you mentioned somebody, you know, gave the house to their children. I don't normally recommend that, but there are some cases. In fact, I have a client right now that we are actually deeding it to her children because it makes sense, right? So what I've learned is is that it's never too late and you should never stop being open-minded. Yeah. Because they're Everything changes constantly, especially in this world, you know, of finance and legality. Yeah. Right? And even sometimes, like, um, I worked with a client recently where we were talking about, she's in her, she's around my age, she's in her late 40s, and 
she she's also very similar in the fact that she is terrified of being bag lady. Mm-hmm. And she was thinking about doing an annuity. I said, right now isn't the time to do an annuity because interest rates are so low that you want to wait until probably you're closer to actual retirement age and then you know, maybe at that point in time, we can do an immediate annuity to cover your basic needs, cover, you know, a SPIA is what they call it. Yeah. So it's, a, a, um, it's something that's going to be sort of like a pension kind of type yeah, concept. Yeah, exactly. You know, a stream of income have, for her. It's a stream of income that she's very comfortable with. Right, right. For her, you know, that would be the right product yeah. for her, but not right now. And yeah. I kind of walked her through all of the reasons why. And and she kind of, she was chuckling. She's like, I know it's, just, it's, it's that ingrainedness in me that... I want to know that I have this income stream coming and that this money is locked in, even though I know I'm giving up like all of this growth over time if I did it right now. Yeah. And we were able to walk through like worst case scenarios, like take a 2007, 2008 timeframe all over again. Let's assume that it happened the year before she retired. Sure. What other assets would we be able to use to fund that, you know, income that she's needing? And once she saw that and the fear of, you know, I have to do it right now went away, then it was perfectly fine and it wasn't an issue but it's that idea of you know it, it it's not a bad idea it's just not the best thing for you At right now and but later it might be we all have to learn with that to learn to live with that indecision or, 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 or inability to have a clear position because we don't know what's going to happen but you and I are in the business of saying look I don't know what's going to happen but what I can do is tell you we can we can do some planning for possibilities and it won't be painful to you you think it is but it isn't and then and then as time goes on when you, you know pull that will out of your underwear drawer and things like that <laughs> as possibilities and things change we can continue to plan but the more you're ahead of the game the better off you always are yeah. Right? Yeah. I, I think that there's this fear, this just huge yeah. fear that comes along with, you know, I'm making a decision and it's the final decision that I make. And I tell people all the time, I mean, we literally sit down and they sign all the documents and I hand them and I say, here's your magic box of yeah. everything you need to do. But truthfully, tomorrow, if you need to come in and change that, you come yeah. right back. It's, and a, it's a living it. document. Nothing is written in stone. Yeah. It is always changing. Yeah. It's a living document. So one of the questions that I always, a couple of like, I guess, final questions that I always love to ask people, because it's so different, is what, what is your definition of success? So to be honest with you, I struggle with that. And I think that's because I'm a child of, you know, the 60s and 70s. Um, of course, there was, even the 50s, there was always that, you know, that standard success, which is a financial success. But then, of course, being a child of the 70s, you know, and the, and the, and the um, Woodstock generation, it was just free love and freedom and, you know, all that. And, and so putting those, all of those pieces together, you know, freedom and money and all of those things, it, it, it's, it's a struggle. And I honestly think everybody struggles with that. Yeah. Why do we have to have a definition of success? I mean, I am fortunate I have a great marriage. Yeah. I am fortunate I have wonderful kids. 
I am fortunate they are healthy and they are you know productive members of society I have a great extended family like all of those things would be other people's huge definition of success and I think I often take that for granted because I've always had those wonderful things you know um, I always think I'd like to be making a lot more money right and that would that would define me as successful but truthfully my, my friends laugh at me because they're like, you have never, ever been motivated by money. And it's true. I am motivated by education, by satisfied customers, and by making sure that the people who I serve have gotten what they really needed, you know, in a time usually of crisis. And that makes me really happy, you know, to know that I've been able to serve them and, and serve them well. I think when people come to you and I, there's always a level of anxiety. Did you go to the keynote speaker this morning? I did. Yeah. And do you remember the girl that came up on stage? Her name happened to be Amy. She was wonderful. Yes. And do you remember what she said about money? And she said, and when he said, how do you feel about it? And she said, anxious. Yes. Those were her words? Yes. When people sit down with you and I, yes. that, for the first time, yes. that is how they feel. Yes. That's why when people meet with me for the first time and they say, what do I need to bring? I'm like, bring yourself. Me too. Oh, that's so funny. Amy. I say the same thing. You don't have to bring anything. Yeah, I We're just going to talk. I want, I, I'm trying to get, like, my goal is to know where your fears are. My goal is to know what is keeping you up at night. People don't decide this morning, I think I'm going to call a financial planner. Right. Or I think I'm going to call an attorney. Right. It's not something that they wake up. It's something that crops up over time. There's yes. an impetus. There's something that is pushing them to go in our direction. And the anxiety level is huge when you're sitting down with us. Always with me, because they're usually coming to me because someone in their family has had a caregiving issue, or they've seen something on TV that is resonating with them, or they have have had, unfortunately, a health diagnosis that has resonated with them. You know, something is going on in their lives that has just resonated with them in such a big way that finally the light has gone on that, oh my goodness, I better get my ducks in a row, right? And so you're right, they come to me usually anxiety ridden. Often though, it is in a much less panic situation than they need to be. And that's why I'm really happy because that's not crisis planning. That's just saying, we have this, we got it. Don't worry about it. We're going to fix this. But I think within our field, our our field of careers, I think success could be defined in a certain way by saying that that anxiety is relieved. For sure. I mean, that that actually just gave me goosebumps. Like, if, when I know that I've done that for someone, I feel really good yeah. about my work and me what too. I've done. Yeah, I And I can go home at night and say that, you know, I and I've had, I'm sure you've had it happen too, where somebody comes in and they're so tense about what they're going to talk to us about. Yeah. And when we just have a conversation, and that's one of the reasons why I love to bring up things like wine or something so unrelated yes. to the actual topic because yeah. once they're like, oh, she's human. She's like, she's just like me. She's <laughs> chill. <laughs> we spent 20 minutes talking about something completely unrelated to finances, but then got down to the core of what is really eating at them, what yes. brought them to the table, as you want to call it. Um, when I can go home at night and say, you know, I, I think I, even if the client doesn't ultimately end up working with me, I think I gave them enough 
to reduce their anxiety and to see what they need to do. Because yeah. sometimes it's not working with me that they need to do. Sometimes it's working with an estate planning attorney. Sometimes it's working with you know, an insurance agent. Sometimes it's working with sure. somebody outside of me. Sometimes it's working with a counselor. Yeah. You know, first. Oh my gosh, yes. And Absolutely. I joke with a lot of the financial planning students that um, when I go and speak to them and they say, well, what classes do you wish you'd take more of? I'm like, psychology, psychology, yeah. psychology. Marriage counseling. <laughs> yeah. 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 Definitely. You know, yeah. I mean, sometimes I feel like there's that line and I'm getting really close and I'll say, you know, I, I don't have the training to kind of help you with this, you know, and it's an uncomfortable conversation, but yeah. it's clear that there's an issue above and beyond what I'm able. I can give you the digits. I can help you with some of that stuff, but I, you're coming from different places around money. I mean, I can talk about the psychology of money as it kind of relates. Yeah. And, you know, like, but I, because everybody can have their different psychology, but I can't, I don't know how to counsel you to come together. It is rare that you and I are not dealing with an emotional response to what we do, though. Absolutely. That is exactly what we do. Every so, day. So we have to be able to respond to that yeah. in a way that makes our clients comfortable yeah. and you know, um, are willing to then take some action, yeah. right? Um, so I think that's why I have moved very strongly to a speaking and educating career uh, as, as what I do because I find it extremely satisfying to just leave an event where I have done a presentation and people come up to me and say, oh my God, thank you so much. Yep for opening that door of knowledge for me. Now I understand and now what I'm I have to afraid. do. And, and I'm not afraid, exactly. Yeah. It's not that big of a deal. It's just getting some work done, yeah. you know? It's like going, going to the dentist. We don't love it, but you get the work done, you feel better. So, so in a lot of ways, you and I sell peace of mind, yeah. right? Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, and I'm happy about that. Yeah. I feel very successful selling peace there of mind. There you go, there's yeah. your success. <laughs> and my final question is, is what do you like to do when you need to recharge? Oh, I, I'm a big reader. I love to read. And honestly, I love TV. And okay, I am even going to admit this, and it, I know it'll be out there forever, but I love Hallmark movies, okay? I do. I, I watch them with my daughters. <laughs> we talk about them on the phone. I tweet about them. Yes. Hallmark movies take all, everything well, away. Labor Day weekend, they just had a 24-hour weekend, or 32-hour weekend or something like that, where yeah. they had like the whole summer wedding yes. thing going and yes. it was pretty much on the entire weekend and Hello. I don't even watch a lot of TV but every time I would turn on the TV it went right to so we have direct TV it was yeah. channel 312 I yes. well it's channel 137 or 830 if you have HD on my television and my husband and that's how I get my husband to go upstairs and watch whatever he wants to watch <laughs> that's funny so sorry but it's true I have admitted it and now everyone in the world knows I think like I said secretly all of us love that. I'm so. a romantic, right? <laughs> That's the deal. Sometimes it's just get, it's nice to just get lost in something. Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. I know, I don't know if you have the same problem, but my mind has an issue with shutting down sometimes. Oh my God. Yes. And so if I can take it out of reality for 20 minutes sometimes, even for something like, you know, you, you find, I find myself rolling my eyes at some of the stuff on Hallmark. Oh, they're terrible in a lot of ways. <laughs> then it's gotten worse. They used to be better. Yeah. I think they need to up their game a little bit back to their original writers because they were great. I mean, they were, but I don't care. It's a, it's a, it's, yes, it's mind candy yeah. for sure. Yeah. 
and it's something to talk to my girls about, you know, on the phone and whatever. It's it's just, and of course, the other thing I do is I spend a lot of time with my girlfriends because there's yeah. nothing like a gaggle of girlfriends, right? <laughs> with a glass of wine. That's right, with a glass of wine. <laughs> is there any, um, are you licensed just to practice in Pennsylvania I am. or other states? I am. I am just licensed for Pennsylvania, but I will tell you, and, 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 you were correct when you had stated earlier that every state has different rules about Medicaid, especially. And Medicare is not Medicaid, right? right. Um, Medicaid is different systems. Medicare is your health insurance. Medicaid is what happens when you need money to help pay for a nursing home and you've basically run out of money. So that's the 22nd definition of the difference. But even though every state is different, the general concepts apply, um, you know, about what you need to do and what's coming for you in terms of that. So the more you get educated, the more you're going to eventually learn what you need to do, what questions you need to ask when you go to that elder lawyer. And here's two more seconds on the difference between an elder lawyer and an estate lawyer, because we are different people. We're different breeds. So wait a minute, because I, I guess I didn't understand that. An estate attorney and an elder Are law? not the same okay, thing. Okay, take the, take the time to explain the difference. Please. I am going to, because I want you to, I want your people to know yeah. this. So an elder lawyer deals with live people. An estate lawyer deals with dead people. It's that simple, really. So elder law is about what issues do you have when you're alive and you're disabled or, you, or you're temporarily unable to handle your own affairs. So you need that power of attorney that we talked about. You need that healthcare proxy or power of attorney. You, you need that, even that advanced directive because you're in the hospital and you're never waking up and what do I do, you know? Those are for live people issues. Estate attorneys deal with what happens when I'm dead? Where do I want my stuff to go? Who do I want it to go to? What kind of uh, will have I set up? What kind of a trust have I set up? What have I done in order to take care of the things that I want to happen when I'm dead? Now, many attorneys are elder lawyers and estate lawyers. Some are not. Many elder lawyers are estate lawyers. Many estate lawyers are not elder lawyers. And that's wonderful that, you know, they do what they do. But you need to be very careful. And I find that they often, often those, I'm going to go to an estate attorney, is interchanged with, you should be going to an elder lawyer. Okay? So when we, when as financial planners, yes. when we use the terminology that you need to do estate planning, we really should not be using that terminology. Ouchy, ouch, ouch, ouch. Because that's what we're taught. It's I part know. of the CFP program. And I have just become a CFP accredited educator, I want you to know. I can teach classes. I have a class, actually, that, and maybe another one soon, that I can teach for CFP credits. And it is for this very reason that I am seeing this misuse of the language around estate planning and elder law issues, you know? It is not, it is not really an estate plan to do a Medicaid plan. Not really. Um, it's okay to have that misunderstanding, but an estate lawyer might not know how to do that. Okay. And a Medicaid plan is what happens when I run out of money, yeah. or are they going to take all my money, right? What can I do? So, yeah. So, for my purposes, you know, I'm going to say, if you're talking about elder law issues, you should go see an elder lawyer. Yeah. And I'm hoping that they're wonderful enough that either they are an estate attorney, or they're going to send you to a good estate attorney if that's not what they do. So, for clients that are in their 40s and 50s. Yeah. 
the terminology that we should actually be using as financial planners is still elder law, even though they're not elder as we think about that. Well, they, yeah, because what they're probably trying to do is part of their part of what they're trying to do is an estate plan because they probably have little chit, children, right? And they're trying to set up a law, uh, a will in order to take care of their kids, Custody, right? Yeah, yeah, totally a great idea, and that's an estate issue. The other piece is, what happens if my husband's in a car accident and is in a nursing home now? I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Well, you better have the right power of attorney that your state requires. And and your elder lawyer is the one who would know that. So my first line of defense would be an elder lawyer in that case. Now, if you have a client who's 80 years old and she has a $2 million estate, she should probably be going to an estate attorney because she wants to set up a trust, probably. She wants to set up something for her grandchildren, you know? Yes, there's some elder issues there, but she should probably start with an estate plan because she's thinking about what happens when I die. She's thinking about her death side, yeah. not her not living side, not her living side. Okay, very interesting. I, I've always used the terminology estate planning. No matter yeah. what the situation is, I've always said we need to, you know, do you have an estate plan? What is the estate plan? How how am I supposed to be? And the funny, how am I supposed to be advising so that yeah. you know we're making sure like all of your if you have a trust, all your assets are in the trust. One of the famous mistakes I always see is people go through the whole process and they don't of, fund it right, ever. They, they don't ever fund the trust ever. <laughs> so now they have this you know plan that they paid thousands of dollars for, yep. but there's nothing. They have in a it. really pretty leather binder. binder. Yeah. And there's nothing in it. Yeah. There's paper in it, but there's nothing in the trust. Or they forgot about that one stock that they're, you know, they forgot to put in it, and the stock is worth enough that they're going to have to do probate anyways. And they were there's trying to There's a lot probate. of financial people who create those trusts but don't fund them, and they don't explain to their clients that they have to fund them. You know, they don't know the, the deed of your house if it's going in the trust has to be to the trust. Yeah. You have to redeed your house. Yeah. People don't know that because yeah. they're not educated about And that is particularly important, in my opinion. Um, and when when I see somebody own property in multiple states, yeah, that to me is a red flag to say you really should be, and my terminology is you really should be talking with an estate planning attorney because do you really want to be probating or you want your family to have a probate in both And states? those things are true. That is an estate uh-huh. issue. You are right about that. And, and we are becoming such a, you know, elder law is kind of new. You know, these Medicaid planning issues are kind of new. Yeah, they are because you know? of longevity of life. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, my grandmother didn't have an uh, didn't need an elder lawyer when she died. You know, thirty five years ago. It just we didn't have that. Yeah. So elder law is a new thing. Um, and so I would tell you that many many estate and elder lawyers are the same. Yeah. Like they have all the information, but some of them don't. And just be. I'm just trying to tell you to beware. Oh no, yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah. Is there certain um, places that people can go to get information about? So elder lawyers have certifications. They have something called CELA and NALA, C-E-L-A and N-A-E-L-A. I think I said that right. National, yeah, okay, okay. So those are certified elder lawyers, right? Um, it's kind of like the CFP. Yeah. So so it doesn't mean, it doesn't necessarily mean you're not getting a el- great elder lawyer if they don't have that. But if you want to go look, that's a great place to start. Um, I will tell you that because elder law is still fairly new, you know, maybe 20, 30 years old, maybe not even 30 years old, 
you're going to have a harder time finding elder lawyers in your town than you are estate lawyers, you know? So what I would recommend is, is that if, you, if you're going to go see an elder lawyer, you think you need an elder lawyer, make sure you know the questions to ask, right? So you want to ask questions about the power of attorney. Is it, is it going to cover those issues when, if somebody needs to go into a nursing home? Do you know, has the, have the power of attorney laws changed in any way that I need to know that? In my state, in Pennsylvania, in 2015, we did a complete overhaul of POAs. And if you don't know that and you didn't get a new one, yeah. your old one is good, but it won't help you yeah. in a dramatic situation. Yeah. yeah, and I know some of the power of attorneys um, in New York State anyways, I know one of the things that changed at one point in time was the ability for power of attorneys to change beneficiaries. Change beneficiaries and gifting are the two big deals. Yeah. So I'm going to tell yeah. you that right now. So so put that on your little radar. Yeah. You, between spouses especially, you should have unlimited gifting. In Pennsylvania, if we don't have that, you have what we call limited gifting, which means they can only take $15,000 a year, which is the federal allowable yeah. amount for yeah. exemption. Can you imagine how devastating that would be? Yeah. Well, I saw it happen in one of my clients that was down there. Um, they were a new, well, actually, it wasn't my client, it was the parents of my client. They're, they lived in Florida, and their POA was older, and so one went into a nursing home. This is the past. And then the other one unexpectedly passed away. Wow. So they couldn't do it. Like, yeah. There was nothing. Right. There was absolutely, they couldn't gift anything. Right. They couldn't do anything. It was just, it, it really restricted them. Well, that and goes back to my five-year plan, right? Yeah. Keep looking at things. Yeah. Keep talking to your parents and keep looking at your own stuff, right? And keep buying that sexy lingerie. It might help your marriage. <laughs> well, that's a <laughs> and a bottle of wine. <laughs> that's a perfect way to end. If people want to get a hold of you, what's the best way? So my website is www.kathy.com. Um, I am a speaker. I love doing that more than anything, a speaker um, and an educator. So I do have a speaker site. It says I'm a speaker on there. You can click on that. Um, you can go to Amazon and put in Kathy Sikorsky and my books will come up. And um, you can email me, kathy.sikorsky at gmail.com. Perfect. Thank you so much for your time. Today. Thank really you. It was a great, that. great conversation. <laughs> and that will about do it for today's episode of Wine and Dime. You can contact Amy through the website, www.rootedpg.com, or amy at rootedpg.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at rootedpg for the latest news. And if you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear about, feel free to let us know. And don't forget to rate and subscribe the show wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you for listening, and be sure to tune in next time.